0: Good morning, and welcome to HR's Executive Conversations. I'm your host, John Sumser, and today we're going to be talking with A.L. Graevsky, who is founder, CEO, chief bottle washer over at Maya. So, A.L., how are you? I'm doing good. Thanks, John. How are you doing? I'm doing great. So, Maya's quite a big deal. Why don't you introduce yourself and tell us how you got to the point that, that Maya became a thing?
1: Yeah, so, uh, you know, CEO and co-founder of Maya, my name is Al Graevsky, and uh, how did I get here? Well, you know, it started with um, a long history in the family and, and recruiting and staffing. My dad actually started a staffing business about 40 years ago, and I, I got a, a unique opportunity growing up to, to be closely involved with that business and just learn a ton about the traditional staffing model. I worked there for several years. Um, growing up, and, you know, really got this exposure into um, the recruitment process and some of the inefficiencies. Um, My dad's company was also one of the early adopters of technology, so I really started to, you know, see how technology could be leveraged to drive efficiency and how organizations targeted, uh, engaged, and converted talent. Um, and then later, after I got my uh, college degree uh, from University of Colorado in finance, I actually went to, I moved to San Francisco to start searching for a finance role, and I uh, was really frustrated by that process. It kind of brought things full circle for me, um, the job seeker experience, applying to jobs, not hearing back, often falling into that black hole, um, and it really inspired me to build my first business, so Uh, This was back in 2011, early 2012, when I started First Job, and um, so that was really my foray into entrepreneurship in the space, and we built and operated a marketplace focusing on early career talent, and that, you know, further strengthened my um, learnings and expertise in the industry and understanding of of some of the pitfalls, Um, and, you know, what we saw is People didn't hear back, and recruiters spent so much time uh, on repetitive work and uh, how manual the process was, particularly at the top of funnel, and that, that inspired us to build Maya, which I'm excited to talk about today.
0: That's great. So what, is, what does Maya do?
1: So Maya is a recruitment automation platform powered by conversational AI, Um, So what we're doing is we're leveraging natural language processing and machine learning techniques to automate communications and outreach with job candidates across the end-to-end recruiting process. Um, So there's many different ways in which you can use this technology to drive efficiencies and a better experience um, throughout uh, every phase of recruiting. Um, And so we're, you know, we're performing a variety of tasks for, for hiring teams, We're automating workflows and really driving conversion um, and engagement through the funnel. And it's happening omni-channel, so through SMS, WhatsApp, Facebook, web chat, um, really creating this frictionless experience. And then we're adding other layers of technology to help uh, connect the right candidates to the right jobs, um, help with calendaring, um, and really just building that end-to-end stack. To drive um, automation for our clients and it's integrated uh, we work with um over four hundred and sixty brands today um, both staffing and corporate uh, and we've been fortunate to bring on uh, funding from from great investors so uh continue to invest in in the future and and uh excited to talk about some of those things today
0: fantastic so so there's there's a lot of different ways to um interpret some of the things that you've said um, um so conversational ai um ranges from a sort of a dreamy concept of ai that actually understands the interaction that you're in and doesn't and, and has sort of flexibility at its edges to conversation that's really sort of a verbal decision tree. Where does BIA fit into that spectrum of things?
1: Well, we built, you know, from from the early on, uh, uh, early stages of the business, we invested heavily in developing an experience that is rich and open-ended to drive engagement, but also to really be able to extract the right level of insight from the user. We found that if you constrain the user's response to yes or no or multiple choice, you're not really able to glean a lot from that dialogue. And and we found it really important early on. It was it was a design principle in how, how we built the system. And so we've invested very heavily in that. We've built a world-class team um, with experience in building natural language systems and uh, developed uh, an experience that, um understands language. And you know, throughout the conversations that we deploy, uh, Maya can understand hundreds of different intents of the user and extract um, dozens of entities to be able to really understand the meaning um, and intent of the user and be able to respond uh, with the right answer and guide the conversation based on that response. Um, so, you know, we, we do think of conversational AI as as much a science as an art in understanding, um, you know, how, how you phrase a question might influence the way that a user may engage and respond and really building an experience around that. Uh, also understanding how, if you don't understand, should you deal with that, um, you know, in terms of building mechanisms to ensure a positive experience um, because it is a learning process. You know, as you collect data, we've engaged with tens of millions of people. So, you know, as you continue to build that data set, your system gets better and better. You learn more about the edge cases, you learn more about the variations in how candidates respond and behave. Um, so over time it gets better, John.
0: Yeah, so so help me and and and, and i think you would be a good person to ask this question you use the word understanding a lot in your description of what maya does but but the truth is it doesn't understand anything right it converts text into a math formula and does math stuff with the math formula and comes out with results that are strong correlations um and that behaves like understanding but it is an understanding and so so Help me explore some of that edge of things, right, because, because it's, it's a convenience. It's, it's a, um, an affordance to to describe it as understanding. But that, I think that sort of overpromises what's possible, don't you?
1: Yeah, well, it's a goal-oriented system. So you're you're engaging a candidate who has a specific motivation to get a job, right? And what we're doing is in that goal-oriented conversation – We're learning how to interpret um, what the user is saying so that we can guide them through that process and extract the right information to be able to deliver um, and convert them into the right opportunity. Um, So, you know, today, if you think about the experience before you're able to apply this conversational approach, they apply, they don't hear back. You know, if you're able to engage and guide them through the process, that's a far superior experience. Um, And so you don't need to um, achieve human level intelligence to deliver huge amounts of value to both the candidate and the employer. Um, But what we are doing is achieving a very robust and rich experience to. Deliver on in high engagement, high satisfaction, high conversion throughout that process. Um, so, you know, I think the terminology is really semantics, you know, understanding, interpretation. Um, we're really good at taking a user message and interpreting and understanding what that user's intent is so that we can guide them through that experience.
0: Okay, so so we we could run down that rabbit hole for a very long time. Um, um, what what are you seeing changing in the recruiting market? You're right at the you're right at the front edge of the recruiting market. Um, what's going on?
1: Oh man, uh, so much. You know, obviously, right now there's a, a big shift in the market, but you know, over the last few years. Uh, We've seen a proliferation of AI-based solutions. I think that's been one of the big um, trends, you know, over uh, at least in in recent times. So, you know, systems like we talked about that engage and communicate with candidates, matching technologies that are getting better, um, that allow recruiters to quickly identify the right candidate or candidates to to the right jobs. Um, Workflow automation systems, predictive analytics and big data, You know, how do you uh, inform better process and decision making, uh, candidate relationship management. I mean, there's just this awesome proliferation of new tools. Um, There's also been trends towards consolidation, which has been interesting. You know, larger players uh, wanting to incorporate more of that technology and and become more competitive and provide uh, more horizontal uh, solutions that cater to a broader range of, of use cases um, we're seeing bigger investments towards digital transformation. Um, so organizations are catching on and, and you know, have an increased appetite um, to automate and, and transform their processes. Um, and all of this has really pushed the bar up um, in terms of uh, the value that organizations demand. Um, so it's, it's, it's really pushing us all. Um, to, to push the envelope in terms of how we build our products and go to market and, um, you know, sift through that noise. So, you know, it's, it's been interesting. It's been exciting to be a part of. And, uh, yeah, I think it's presented a lot of great opportunities.
0: So lots of new technology. How do, you think, do, you, do you think it's being broadly adopted? I, I wonder sometimes.
1: Well, it's a, you know, it's a progression, right? It's an evolution, Um, you know, it starts with early adopters. And um, obviously every stack or or type of technology um, goes through different phases of of adoption and evolution. Um, Conversational AI, we were a big part of creating that category. And, um, you know, we went from just a few companies kind of eager to jump in and take a bet and and be the the front runners. and, And now we're, you know, we're in a market where, uh, you know I, I think the latest stats were like thirty or forty percent of organizations are actually either looking at this technology or already adopting it so you know we're starting to get into that phase where people are following um, those early users uh, so yeah I mean it's still it's still relatively early days depending on what technology and and what space we're we're talking about but absolutely seeing um, increased adoption over the last few years of of technology and and investment towards innovation transformation. That's, that's an absolute trend we're seeing.
0: So what's the pandemic doing to this? Uh, Is it, is it making it um, uh, better or making it worse? Is it slowing things down or is it speeding things up?
1: Well, you know, in the early innings of this pandemic, obviously um, organizations were in shock. I mean, it's the, the bottom fell out on the economy. And, um, you know, uh, for for the right reasons, uh, companies were trying to figure out how to adjust and what to do and scrambling. Um, but I think we're starting to get into the phase where there's a little bit more clarity, obviously still a huge amount of uncertainty, but we did see um, things bottom out. We'll, we'll talk about that and, and start to, start the recovery process. So I'm seeing organizations really shift to the mindset of um, what's the right strategy here? Um, And are there ways that we can improve the efficiency of what we're doing? Um, And I do very much see a trend, an increasing trend towards looking at, you know, AI and automation solutions. And I anticipate that to accelerate in the coming month, months and years because of this crisis. You know, you're seeing organizations in the mindset of being leaner and, and more agile, um, you know, looking for ways to be more elastic in, in how they can respond. Um, you know, as the economy recovers, you need to rebuild um, to the extent that um, there are adjustments. Um, so I absolutely think that it, it, it's kind of pushing the market to think, more proactively about how to be better, more efficient, uh, and that will play into accelerated adoption of technology. I firmly believe that.
0: That's wild. You, you, you know, that's, uh, that's not quite the market that I'm seeing. That, that, that's, that's, that's a remarkably optimistic view of the market um, um, for the most part. You know I was talking with ADP yesterday, and ADP has moved sixty thousand people from their offices to um, um, remote work and their concerns have very little to do with recruiting really they they're they're like like everybody who's done that, they now have an entire league of people who would have been hiring managers who are now. In charge of managing remote workforces without any experience in that and and the hiring needs are are um, extremely moderated by the fact that the very nature of work has changed in a lot of places so so how does bio respond to all of that that sort of stuff because the you know the, the premise I think is that machine learning means something, but machine learning depends on historical data um, and um, Covid's disrupting historical data, so I guess this, yeah. this falls into what? What are some of the challenges that you see as the result of Covid?
1: Yeah, and, and obviously, you know, as I shared, you know, as as we go through the motions in this in this crisis, and um, you know, a lot of organizations are are being impacted very negatively, and um, you know, it, it, it takes time, right? It takes time. Um, also, there's there's different industries, right? And there's different markets. So it really depends on, um, you know, what part of the overall ecosystem we're, you know, discussing. You know, some organizations that have to scale, others that have, um, you know, been impacted more significantly, um, you know, and that's the, the broader market, right? So, um, <clears throat> you know, something that we're seeing also is, you know, there's organizations that recruiting is their business, right? So staffing is a big part of our um, our target market and customer base. And, you know, those organizations absolutely are focused on, you know, recruitment and, and recruitment being just a, a very fundamental part of, of how they operate in, in their business. So, um, again, you know, in the early days of this and, and through the recovery, you um, Absolutely, organizations we're seeing, um, you know, kind of retrench and focus on, you know, how to, you know, in some some cases in survival mode, others, you know, looking at how to adjust their their team and plans and and and, and be more efficient as a business overall. But I do think that coming out of this, there will be um, an increased appetite to leverage technology, um, you know, as. As organizations start to really focus on rebuilding.
0: So, where do you think that starts? What's, what's your crystal ball here? Um, are we are we starting to rebuild, or are we just waiting for the next lockdown to happen?
1: Oh man, yeah. Well, you know, if, if we look if we look at kind of what's transpired over the last three months, you know, there there was you know a significant pullback in um, jobs, obviously, um, and new starts, um, and and hours worked. Um, you know, it started with uh, kind of the lower wage. We when we segmented, we saw you know um, jobs that paid less than thirty dollars an hour were kind of impacted first, and, and now we're seeing um, you know in, in kind of the professional domain, the thirty dollars plus um, starting to you know to to decrease, but. It, it, it's, it's interesting to see, you know, when, when you compare, you know, I, I always look at um, prior recessions when I try to understand, you know, how, how does the economy rebound? And obviously this, this crisis is so different than any crisis that we've at least experienced in our lifetimes. Um, but it, it has been fascinating when looking at the data that it was just this incredibly acute and extreme drop uh, and, and increase in unemployment and, and jobs lost. And in about six weeks in, we started to see the bottom. And then this kind of, you know, if you look at the graphs, all of a sudden we're starting to see a little bit of a, of a, of a rebound, likely because the economy started opening up in, in kind of the early phases of recovery. Um, but I think that, you know, when, when looking at into the future, Um, COVID's not going away anytime soon, right, until we have a solution. Um, And my anticipation is, even though we saw this kind of initial rebound, um, there will be ripples, right? There will be ripples, and it it will take time. Um, There's also, of course, you know, the risk of a, a, a second wave. And, you know, if you look at prior epidemics, um, you know, in the fall, uh, there was this kind of resurgence, right? And so, um, I do think, you know, I, I am, you know, inherently optimistic as a as a person, but I do think that we'll probably respond more quickly than we did in the first wave. Um, so I'm hopeful that, um, you know, as as a um, you know as a country and and you know, globally, um, you know people will, will respond and, 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 and we'll, we'll be able to kind of keep the impact down um, in the case that happens. But, um, I, you know, I do, I do think that we're going to start, you know, we're entering this kind of recovery. Um, and whether there's kind of a V-shape or U-shape or Nike swoop, um, you know, it, it's just hard to tell at this stage. But I am optimistic that you know, as as the economy opens, that jobs will come back online.
0: Well, I, I, I wish I thought you were right, but there are not just um, um, valleys and swoops as possibilities. There's also the you hit bottom and you stay there for a while possibility sure. that, that that seems more likely to me uh, because all all of the economic um forces are now being politically manipulated and so so the question is do they have any do they have any ways of doing that left now that the interest rate is negative and, <laughs> and and the the treasury is actually buying commercial bonds as a way of propping the market up i'm not i'm not sure that that this is sustainable in the way that you think um so so it's also it's juneteenth and um I still don't know what the appropriate greeting is for Juneteenth. Happy Juneteenth, I suppose. Um, but there's a lot of heaviness and unrest in the country. Um, uh, what are you doing about that? How are you thinking about that? No, is it? So weird. Hey,
1: John, can you hear me?
0: I can. What happened?
1: Uh, well, I, uh, I was using my landline, and it, it's a wireless device, and um, I guess the battery ran out, so I, I jumped back on, on my, on my uh, mobile phone. Sorry about
0: that. That's all right. That's all right. So, so we were on a, sort of a Juneteenth question. Um, what, what, are you, what are you thinking about um, the despair and unrest in the country? How how does this make sense to you? Yeah. um,
1: You know, today, obviously, being Juneteenth marks an important milestone in in the ending of slavery in this country. And, you know, we we decided to observe that as a company holiday. Um, So the team's taking the day off to focus on these issues. Um, But, you know, I think it's important to note that while slavery was technically (laughs) abolished, the unequal treatment and oppression of black lives continued and it still exists in many forms today. So, um, you know, we, we've been, um, you know, creating an open discussion um, as a, as a company as to how, you know, we can, um, you know, really help drive the change that's needed. Um, And, you know, we um, I think it's, it's so important that, you know, as a leader uh, we speak up, um, on these issues, and, and create a safe safe space for the team to be able to share their thoughts and um, open discussions um, around these issues. And you know, one thing that you know we we've done is we put together a plan, you know, as to how how we as an organization are are going to not only speak about these issues and um, you know continue to educate ourselves, listen, learn. Uh, reflect, but also act. You know, I think action is, is so critical to, to help drive, you know, real sustained change, both individually and, and as a company. So, you know, we, we put together a plan and, um, you know, I, I, it's been incredible to see, you know, how um, the world has responded, um, you know, to the, to the racially charged violence and, um, you know, especially in, in, in recent times, but this has been a longstanding issue. Um, so, you know, uh, you know as, as an organization, we, we took a, a stance and um, opened a discussion. It's been also incredible to get input from the team, you know, not only in terms of how we can address these issues as a product, but, you know, as a company and, and, and apply a bigger focus and emphasis on things like diversity initiatives, um, on, on, on ways to kind of really open up. Uh, the discussion and create, create that safe space um, as a team and as, as a culture. Um, and on a personal level, you know, spending a lot of time educating myself on these issues. Um, you know, I, uh, you know, I, I've, I'm blessed in many ways and, you know, I, 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 don't, I can't say I know what it's like to experience the world, you know, as, as someone who, you know, um, is in in a position of disadvantage and, um, so, you know, spending a lot of time looking for ways how I can personally contribute um, towards this movement.
0: So, so there's a, there's an interesting thing and for me. This is about structural racism, and so for me, what structural racism means is that as a white person of privilege, my behavior is inherently racist, not because there's something. Fundamentally wrong with me, but because I live in a structure that um, Is is very hard to change and is Inherently biased in my favor Now the way that that happens if if I don't if I'm not intentional about my racism But then then what that means is that the processes that I'm involved in support sustain um, the structural racism and so Maya um, automates those processes um, and and my question for you is do you have like an ethics advisory board or some um, oversight operation that looks at the things that as people of privilege we may not be able to see that are the consequences of our work how do, how do you have a yeah. how, do, how do you critique the design so that you don't perpetuate the problems
1: yeah, and, and first to start, you know, I wholeheartedly agree that, you know, this is a systemic issue and, and bias is n- not only prevalent in, in the recruiting process, but in all phases of life. Um, and, you know, our mission from day one was to create a far more efficient and equitable job market for all. So, you know, from from the early days, we placed a strong emphasis on how we design our product to um, you know, create a, a level playing field. And so um, not only having teams that focus specifically on that and, and, and building diversity into those teams, but also in how we design the product um, and how we test against that um, and, and track and measure and iterate against that. So um, absolutely, we you know, we have the, the right oversight in place. And, you know, when you think about our approach you know, we're, we're really focused on um, creating a more objective, uh, sc- you know, if, if Maya is in the screening process, it's all around being prescriptive and objective and, and conscious about the types of questions that are being asked and how um, those decisions are ultimately informed, um, not made by our system, but informed to improve um, that top of funnel uh, uh, experience and, and reduce bias in that top of funnel experience. Um, you know, when, when you're making rapid decisions as a human, there's that inherent bias. So how do you just focus on the objective uh, criteria that, um, tells you whether or not an individual is qualified, um, to engage in the next step of the process rather than, you know, um, making, a uh, a rapid fire decision that may be influenced by their name or the color of their skin or their socioeconomic background or what school they went to, or right. So, those things are extracted. And, and, and so, by being more prescriptive and conscious in how you're screening candidates, you're inherently able to uh, re- reduce uh, that bias. And then, you know, and then you need to be able to track and measure that because the questions that you're asking could um, introduce bias. Um, so something that we're very focused on as a company and we need to continue to, to invest towards and, and continue to, to look at ways
0: to, to create an impact. So, so uh, we should have a much longer conversation on the following topic. I believe that, that, Everything that you guys do, and, and this is true sort of across the board of the bias reduction initiatives um, in HR, um, is focused on inhibiting the bias of an individual decision maker. Right? Let's let's make su- let's make sure we constrain the possibility for bias for individual decision makers. I wonder if that actually does anything at all to, to um, um, move systemic bias um, into the trash can, right uh, b- because I think that that individuals may be may not operate with all of the freedom that they think they do inside of inside of the system. and so so how one engineers uh, bias reduction at the system level is an interesting question that we should we should really dig into. Um, Absolutely. Um, uh, so, how's Bayer supporting its customers as as we navigate this this um, incredible transition?
1: Yeah, um, you know we we've got kind of two camps of customers right now. You know, we have you know we work in in many of these high volume industries, so um, you know, call centers, distribution centers, delivery supply chain, production, um, you know, healthcare is, is a big segment of ours. You know, we, um, we've brought on, in many of the largest healthcare systems and healthcare staffing businesses, uh, IT staffing. You know, there's um, organizations that we work with that um, need to scale right now to supply, um, you know, and, and serve the um, kind of new economy this, um, world where we're at home and, and ordering things online and um, needing delivery, uh, you know, de- food and, and, and goods delivered to us. Um, so, you know, with those customers that are more in the essential and infrastructure side of the house, you know, ensuring that we're able to um, help them scale um, and engage candidates and, 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 and drive um, hires uh, very quickly in, in, in an urgent fashion, um, so, you know, very focused on supporting um, those customers. And then, you know, for those that have been negative, negatively impacted, um, just being flexible and supportive and checking in and um, looking for ways that we can repurpose and, and, and help them engage and provide thoughtful messaging to maybe applicants that applied that jobs have been paused for or, you know, to um, build pools for future hiring or, you um, Maybe, you know, in some cases we have a customer that has redeployed their workers that did one thing to another job category. Um, so, you know, helping them with that process where, where Maya can really play a, a key role. Um, but, yeah, just being flexible, supportive, um, and, and just, you know, making sure that, that, you know, we're demonstrating understanding of their situation and, um, you know, doing our best to to, to be a good partner.
0: Fantastic! It's been a great conversation. You know, I want to thank you for taking the time to do it. Please reintroduce yourself and tell people how to get a hold of you.
1: For having me, John. And yeah, again, my name is Al CEO and co-founder of Maya Systems. Um, if anybody wants to chat or, or learn more about Maya or just discuss the, the current state of the world, uh, I'd love to. I'd love to to hop on a call or a Zoom. Um, Feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. There's only one of me, Al Graevsky, um, or uh, my email is Eyal at HireMaya.com. So I appreciate you having me on on the
0: podcast, John. Thanks, thanks. It's been a great conversation. You've been listening to HR Examiner's Executive Conversations, and we've been talking with Al Graevsky, who is CEO and co-founder of Maya Systems. Um, Check him out. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for showing up. Bye-bye now. (laughs)